1: Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hello, my friends. Yes,
2: welcome to Come Together San Diego. We're going to be doing two hours of very Informative broadcast today. In fact, you know, a lot of you parents and grandparents have to deal with the subject matter of school and school preparedness. You, you it used to be you used to buy a few uh, uh, Crayolas and, and pencils and you were in a paper and you were ready to go. Now you have to look deep at the uh, strategy within the school system to properly defend and communicate with your young people and uh, people in the school environment and everything. And guess what? On today's broadcast, we are going to be talking about those things, particularly about uh, parental rights and student rights and from a Judeo-Christian point of view. And you might guess frequently when we talk about this topic. Yes, I do. I bring on my friend Dran Reese of Salt and Light Council. Hey, Dran.
3: Hey, Kaz, how are
2: you? We're we, we're excited. You know, every time I invite Dran to co-host with me, I say, "Come on in." She goes, "Okay, can I bring my stuff?" Well, she she has more stuff than I have. <laughs> I'm a little jealous, but that's okay. We'll work it through. And uh, you you wanted to introduce somebody who's in the studio with us, Dran. Why don't you do that, my co-host?
3: I would love to. And remember this, Kaz. I like to be prepared. Yes, you do. <laughs> All right, my co-host today is Andrew Hayes, and I'm going to leave a little surprise about his bio for later. Uh-huh. But what I want Want to tell you about him is first of all I know him very well and known him for many years. He is a graduate of El Capitan High School, local and local. He's yes. a local. Thank God, yes. And he was able, <laughs> that's why he drove here. That's <laughs> right. uh, he has two bachelor degrees from the University of San Diego, and I would love to hear what those are. What are they?
4: Uh, one in business and the other in political science.
3: Interesting. Yeah, yeah that, that's very interesting. And he served as a legislative aide for former California state senator and now board of supervisors, Joel Anderson, who yep. we all love. And then he became the district director for Senator Brian Jones, another man we all love. That's right. Yeah. Two great
2: men. Two yep. great men. Well, it sounds like he's got the the goods, as do you, to talk about this topic of uh, parental uh, rights and, and young people's rights as well.
3: Uh, for sure he does, and that's why he's here. And we're going to talk about that big surprise uh, later on, one of the big things that he's done, which I think is pretty darn and amazing. And later on
2: in the show, near the later in latter segments, we're going to also have a pastor uh, from a church here in San Diego County, Foothills Church, Pastor uh, uh, Mike Van Meter. And he's going to give some biblical, Holy Spirit-driven insights as well.
3: Highly needed, yes, because we're going to try to talk about this whole parental rights in the public schools. And the reason why I asked Andrew to be here is because he right now serves on the school board for Lakeside Union uh, School District. And he was on the Board of Trustees in Mm -hmm. 2018. And now he's the president of the board. And so he champions for parental rights. And so we need to really talk about that and i think what i'd like to do with with all of us is really talk about what parental rights are because that's i think mm-hmm. you know even though we are parents what rights do we really have of our children mm-hmm. for our children now it's getting very confusing it's in the public true. schools
2: we used to presume didn't we andrew that uh, because we are the parents of a student we had a lot of rights and we didn't even give it second thought and all of a sudden now when we thought we had those rights we think we stand by them and somebody says you can't do that what
4: mm-hmm. that's right that's right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, during COVID, uh, that changed for a lot of parents, right? Mm-hmm. Parents realized that they started seeing what was happening in school and they said, I, oh, my gosh, I don't want to see this happen anymore. And so they wanted to see what rights they do have. And let me tell you, uh, the state is – trying to take away those rights at every turn, all the time. Yes. Dran, you've
2: been right with with Salt and Light Council and really a whole ministry suite tied to that that are really helping pastors and uh, young people and uh, parents and so forth. You've been in the thick of this for years.
3: Well, that's why we started PublicSchoolExit.com was because we felt that there was no changing the public school. No matter what you did, no matter how hard you tried, no matter how many school board uh, people were elected to try to change the curriculum and to stop what's going on, it wasn't changing. And so the more that we've gotten into it, the more we see that it's just very difficult anymore to Uh, to change the laws that are going through Sacramento here since we are a supermajority of Democrats and they seem to be very... Uh, Intent on. Intent on an agenda for our children. And actually, that is very true. And the last time I was on, we talked about the National Education Association. I still
2: have that book you gave me. Wow.
3: Isn't it something? It really tells you an awful lot about the fact that uh, they had a a purposeful intent to use our children as lab rats. And I hope that we're going to get to some of that today. Mm -hmm. But Andrew has firsthand experience. And so where I wanted to start off was to talk a little bit about the history of parental rights. What does that mean? You would think inherently you have parental rights. You know, right. Andrew? Yeah, you would
4: absolutely think that, right? And and by the way, like there is, <clears throat> look, the state of California has given you know seeds of of some kind of semblance of parental rights, right? I mean, there in the state constitution there are some things that really you can point to that give parents rights, but really and truly, uh, when we when a parent wants to direct their child's education. That's not really permitted anymore. I mean, when you look at it, if you go and you can say, oh, hey, I want to see what curriculum's in my school. That's great, but they, they can't object to it because some of it's state law. So some of these curriculum uh, are approved by the State Board of Education, and then local school districts have to adopt some of this stuff. They have to put it in there, right? Now, whether they teach it or not is a different discussion that we can have later. But the whole point is is that parents' freedoms on what, what they can pick for their kids, look, if you send them to public school, they're going to get a full gamut. Because Mm -hmm. the state has standards, right, that that they want kids to learn. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of that's quite frightening. And uh, it's all there. It's not like it's public. It's hiding in open sight. I mean, it's all there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can see what it is. Well, it's
3: gotten worse, a whole lot worse over the last, I would say, two decades. Sure. Definitely. And I think a lot of it has to do with this uh, sexual issue, the LGBT community. So originally, back um, in 1944 – through Prince versus Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It was stated that it's cardinal with us that the custody, care, and nature and nurture of the child reside first in the parents, whose primary function and freedom include preparation for obligations the state can neither supply nor hinder. It is in recognition of this that these decisions have respected the private realm of the family, which the state cannot enter. So my question, Andrew, are they breaking the law?
4: Well, I guess, are they breaking the law with regard to public school on, on curriculum?
3: Regarding this historically?
4: Arguably, I would say yes, right? I mean, but this this also really begs a very important question. Should public schools even exist, right? I mean, that's oh, that's its own conversation question. for its own day, right? But I think the point, though, is, is that what you're citing here is saying, look, parents have inherent rights. And we've seen very recently that uh, a court uh, decision that was made very, very recently uh, in Escondido, actually, mm-hmm. uh, had to do with... Kind of the Fourteenth Amendment and the FERPA rights that parents do have uh, to direct their kids' education, and so that actually, by the way, is planting seeds of hope for me because yes. I'm seeing that there's this swing going uh, in the courts. Because if we can't beat them in the legislature and we can't beat them in the governor's mansion, maybe we can get them in the courts, where because there are inherent parental rights enshrined in our uh, constitution, and so I think to me. Those are that could be a way for us to move the ball forward. Because if we can't win anywhere else, let's try the courts.
3: Well, I actually think that that's the best way to go because we have a federal mandate, and these constitutional laws still stand. For example, in 1925, we have Pierce and Society of Sisters that said those who nurture uh, him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. That is, for standard... uh, the, the state to um, to give children instruction, to give children instruction, not for the for the state to standardize its children by forcing them to accept instruction. They're saying no, it is not up to the public school teachers to nurture the children. And then again, we have in. Uh, 79 Parham versus JR, that parents can make these judgments on decisions for medical care and treatment, which, by the way, again, here we go. Mm -hmm. You have the state mandating COVID vaccinations. But these are laws that we are not paying attention to, and Mm -hmm. we need to start putting these out in the forefront and honoring them. And the very last one is uh, 1972, where it says, strong tradition for parental concern for the nurture and upbringing of their children, the primary role of the parents is established and beyond debate as an enduring American tradition.
2: Well, hey, my listening friends, you know, this is a remarkable topic. And how many of you listening either have children in the school system, grandchildren in the school system, or next-door neighbors in the school system? And what can you do about it? The subject for our show today is to really understand what parental rights mean, but what they're supposed to mean and how you can stand in their behalf, and those things can stand in behalf of you as well. My uh, people on the radio with me, uh, Dran Reese salt and light council remarkable friend and uh, andrew hayes he's a current school board member and a number of other different things but a great wisdom in dealing with parental parental rights we're going to talk more about parental rights and so much more so stay tuned to this and have your friends tune on in as well because we're going to talk about the rights that you have to educate your children and your children's children more of this when we come right back
1: this is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise.
2: Welcome back to Come Together San Diego, my listening friend. Uh, compelling topic, dealing with parental rights. You know, we're getting over a holiday season. We're in this holiday season. A lot of time, you're not thinking about school and education for kids. You're thinking about stuffing yourself with goodies (laughs) and then losing weight as a result of that. Anyway, we're going to go past that into the school mentality because this is what you're going to be facing very soon, the school mentality. And what are you going to do with it? We're dealing with the topic of parental rights. I have as my co-host, Dran Reese, with, uh, with Salt and Light Council and many other uh, outreaches tied to this and basically tied in with the parental rights and uh, pastoral rights and children's rights and all these different things and Dran, we have a guest on with us whose name is um, andrew hayes andrew hayes and andrew compelled by some of your insights in light in light of uh, parental rights and Dran, i think you're going to probably ask him to help define it a little bit further i'm going to have you do that because you're my co-host Dran. <laughs> wonderful <laughs>
3: thank you so much kaz well actually andrew i think you're an expert in this area because you spend so much time on the school boards, but as you were talking about Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, it's known as FERPA. Well, as I was reading about that, the parents have certain rights, Mm -hmm. okay? And what I see is that it's saying that parents have only the right to inspect and review their education records that are maintained by the school.
2: So inspect and review, um, that's kind of hands-off, isn't it?
3: You don't normally go and ask the school for these records. It's not something that you would normally yeah. do. You just keep them on file, but um, you can request uh, the opportunity to, to look at them if you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but but the part about that that that's interesting is that um, this is maintained by the school, uh, even and even if the parents believe it's inaccurate, it's still there. Yep. So. That's all this is about, really, Mm -hmm. is that you have a directory of information on the students, including their address, telephone, date of birth, place of birth, any honors and awards, and dates of attendance, and that information can be shared with other organizations, and that's what kind of scares me parents yep. don't know that they can have access to it but also that information can be shared tell us a lot more about. yeah that.
4: so you know this is a really important because particularly with the debate right now about whether an eight-year-old can show up to school and say hey i'm a girl today right or i'm right. a boy today right i mean seriously like that stuff this is very important why because parents do have the right to inspect these documents right and this is a huge debate right now i mean this is mm-hmm. happening in school districts all across uh the the state particularly and even in the nation right where people are parents are saying look Uh, I want to know and be notified what my kids' school, what their grades are, right? I want to be able to see if they're being bullied. I want to know, how do I know those things? How do I get access to those things? And FERPA is one of those things that allows for parents to, you know, review and inspect those documents and have access to that uh, information. One of the, the, the things that we learned with the Escondido case uh, was that uh, school districts shouldn't be hiding things from parents, right? I mean, you, you, you don't want as a school to break trust with parents, right? I mean, the idea here is that they're your constituents. You serve the parents. You serve the community by which you're elected to serve, right? Then, in my case, that's Lakeside. But you have parents that, that want to have access to their uh, kids' official documents, right? And they have that right, as, as you described in FERPA. So they have that inherent right. And, and our job is not to break trust. And I have to tell you, parents feel like the trust is broken uh, right now between school districts and and parents. In fact, it's pushed by the state. The state wants to encourage that division. They don't want parents to direct uh, their kids' education. They want to say that teachers have more influence over uh, parents, over kids than their their parents do. And that's just bogus in my opinion, right? So when I look at these things, you know, it's really about how to protect parents in the roles they have. And by the way, how to tell parents that they do have these rights because I can't tell you how many – countless parents I've spoken to, whether I'm in Albertsons or wherever I'm at, and they don't know some of the rights that they have, right? And I can tell them, look, you have a right to review documents. You have a right to review curriculum. You have a right to do all these things. You just need to be told that. And districts don't tell you. I mean, why would districts tell you?
2: Yes. Andrew, let me ask a quick question because it's going to probably dovetail with this. But... You have got the you've got the unions and the and the uh, um the administrators in a church in I mean in a church environment, in a school environment and you've got the parents what role do, do teachers play? Are they advocates on your behalf or the other behalf or a mixed breed?
4: I think teachers are, are mixed, right? I think teachers. Mm-hmm. I think there are many teachers that, that truly want parents to have access to their kids' education and want to work with parents to sure. do that. And then I think, just like in any other field, there are activists, right? There are activist teachers that don't want that. To happen, right? They don't want to see parents direct their education. And maybe that's because they have their own uh, bias, which agenda, their own personal agenda. agenda. And by the way, that that happens a lot. We see that. But I I think the vast majority of teachers just want to teach kids and just want to do their job, which Mm -hmm. is teach kids reading, writing, and math. I can tell you in my district, a lot of our teachers, uh, they just want to do the basics. They don't want to deal with all this crazy stuff coming Uh from Sacramento. And they tell me that.
3: Andrew, I have a question, though, about the privacy of the student education records. It says nothing about what you just discussed, bullying. Those are more social issues. Those are more, uh, you know, malaise that are going along with that child depending on, you know, what his, you know, issues are in the in the public school none of that is mentioned in this so is that what the parents are fighting for is an addendum to this in many cases
4: in many cases they're asking for notification uh, with regard to bullying and we've heard about these debates with parental notification across Mm -hmm. the state and and by the way these are legal battles now uh, in many cases Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah parents want to be told about when their kids are failing, and by the way, we should be telling parents when their kids aren't doing well in school. We should be proactively doing yeah. this, right? And that's the problem with with any kind of government. Government's not proactive. I mean, it's reactive. It reacts to things. It doesn't do anything proactively. So my perspective is, parents want us to serve them. The best way to serve them is to say, "Look, your student may be struggling. Your student may be having this mental challenge that they're, because they're being bullied. We need. You, we recommend that you take them to." Some therapy you choose, right? But again, that's telling parents.
3: Unless it's law, it's not going to happen.
4: Oh, I hear you. Now, school boards and school districts, we're going to talk more about this, I know, but school districts and school boards can... Help, encourage, and empower parents. We are a a a, you know an authoritative body. We make policy. Now, obviously, we are wrapped around by the state. So, the state we are a state entity. So, the state passes a law. We must follow those those laws. But there's always ways to push the line. I mean, you just got to ask the right questions.
3: But it doesn't make any sense for parents to be putting their children into a public school where they have to even be worried about what's happening to their children, nor be told if something is happening to them, nor have to dig through and weed through all of the bureaucrat uh, issues that they have with the public school to try to find out what's really going on with their child. And then I hear horror stories that these children are able to lie to their parents and then go back to the schools Mm -hmm. and behave, you know, in any manner that they want. So. Is this happening?
4: Oh, uh, that happens all the time across the state. I mean, there are look, and the law empowers it, right? I mean, we, you know, the state empowers uh, school districts to keep things secret from parents. I mean, that we've seen recent laws that allow for that. We've seen, and by the way, people, some people would criticize and say, "Well, it doesn't allow for that." Well, it certainly encourages it. I mean, walk me through some of the bills that have been passed in Sacramento and tell me that they don't encourage school districts to keep things secret from parents. I'm going to tell you right now, they do. Sure. And, and, so, and,
2: and also encouraging the children not to tell. Correct. Yes. Correct. Wow. I and mean,
3: why would you keep your child in a school where you are kept? You know, if I'm giving my child over to anybody, I want to know exactly what's going on. This is our job. And that's what these constitutional uh-huh. bills are trying to say is that it's up to the parents to take care of of their children Agreed. and protect them all the way through their lives. They need to be told what's going on with their children in a public school. And if it's a dangerous environment where they can be harmed and the parents will never know about it, I say to all the parents out there, get your kids out of public yeah. school ASAP. Right. And I'm just going to put in a plug for publicschoolexit.com. So for all the parents out there that are listening... You need to get your kids out of public school. I believe that there is no redeeming the public school. As much as I love Andrew and the fact that he's trying to give it a holy shot here to do good (laughs) at the school board level, these bills, these issues, these problems continue on because there is an agenda by the public schools. It's actually a very sinister agenda that when you really dig into it was never intended to be a place to really teach our children critical thinking or to empower them to have great jobs out there and to... um, Um, be men and women of God. They will never get a biblical worldview education in a government indoctrination camp. That's what I call it. I agree. Your children are going to get burned there. So publicschoolexit.com will help you get your kids out.
2: So, uh, Andrew, we've got under two minutes now in this segment. So give like a 30-second summary of everything we've heard here, and then we're going to have you elaborate some more in the next segment.
4: Yeah, so we've talked a lot about uh, parents' rights and what rights parents have to review uh, documents from through FERPA, but also talked about you know why parents may not be in uh, wanting to send their kids to public school. Right? I mean that there's this there is this state push to try to remove parents' rights and and hide things from parents. Yeah.
2: So my listening friend, I hope you're starting to you know if you had your eyes semi drowsy from all the food you've been eating during the holiday season, all of a sudden your eyes are beginning to open up and you go, school is beginning again. Am I prepared or do I know how to be more prepared? We're going to talk more about these things because I'll tell you what, uh, godly parents, well, all parents need to make their stands on behalf of their children and they need to know what leverage they do have. And you might be surprised, uh, hidden between the lines, there may be more leverage than the, than, than you thought you had. We're going to talk more about that. I have Gran Reese with uh, uh, public school, public exit and, and um, assault and light council. And she, she's got so many, it's hard for me to keep track of them all. But anyway, we're going to talk about those things and more when we come right back.
1: More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on KPraise. Now back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise with Cass Taylor.
2: Welcome back, my friends. Yes, we are talking about parental rights, but we're also, when you talk about parental rights in a school system, it's also appropriate to talk about pupil, student rights as well. And uh, we have a person with us, Dran Reese, my co-host of Salt and Light Council, and I have a guest with us. His name is Andrew Hayes. He's the current uh, uh, board member in Lakeside uh, and uh school board member. And, and he has some insights. And, you know, it's a good to get a point of view from somebody who has a Judeo-Christian value attached to them, Andrew. And, uh, Dran, do you want to pose the question? And we'll just kind of leap from there. Dran Reese?
3: Sure. Well, in looking into pupil rights, yes, which I want to talk with Andrew about, I was actually surprised that it was mostly about the pupils' rights to privacy, but also the school district's right to use them as an experiment. And I just want to read this to you. This is 98.3. It says, access to instructional material used in research and experimentation programs. So it says here that it shall be available for inspection by the parents that if your children are in a research or experimentation program designed to explore or develop new or unproven teaching methods or techniques... We've been trying to say this all along. Our kids are lab rats in the public school. They are trying out the latest thing, which is comprehensive sexual education, common core, critical race theory. None of these are proven techniques. So I want you to comment on that.
4: Sure. Yeah. Well, but look, the bottom line is, is, yeah, parents certainly can look at the curriculum, but let's talk about what's in the curriculum, exactly. right? I mean, there are, the state has a very complex, convoluted process for approving an, a curriculum, right? And what they put in it, right? And by the way, it's all agenda driven. So, you know, the state has a very, very clear bias about what they, what kinds of history they want to teach, what versions of it they want to teach. Uh, and they only approve curriculum that has those things in it right and so you have other you have you know so then school districts that have to adopt curriculum we get to pick from this cafeteria list that the state approves well one is better than the other in many cases right there's some that are better than others and we pilot the curriculum and then you know boards approve it and we let parents look at it but the bottom line is is that it doesn't change Uh, necessarily the substance. So that if a teacher wanted to teach some of this radical stuff, they could absolutely do so, right? And there's no control on maybe what the supplemental material they're using is right there. There's a lot of ways to get insidious things into the classroom if you want to do it. And I think that what you just described is proof positive, right? Is that there's a lot of flexibility on what teachers can teach. uh, And they have to teach to the standards, but it's up to school districts to hold their teachers accountable, and that's why you need board members watching. I mean, you truly need board members to look at curriculum and go, this is crazy.
2: uh, Regarding your board... Uh, how many are proactive and how many are just along for the ride? We right? have a
4: very proactive board mm-hmm. uh, at this time. Uh, we have a five Oh Christian Christian conservative board, uh, in my district. I'm very proud of that. When I first got elected, that was not the case. Uh, and I worked very hard <laughs> to make sure that, that we yeah. do have that in my district, uh, so that our families can, can feel assured that their kids rights are being, you know, protected by the board, uh, to the best extent that we can, uh, given all of the craziness from Sacramento, frankly, nonsense from Sacramento. So, um, that's how I feel where we are, and I feel that we just got to keep asking questions.
2: Sure, and that, that's really the key: ask questions. Don't presume somebody else has asked the questions, or don't presume that this is the way standard way of doing it. Ask questions. And one of the challenges is in a school board environment where you have uh, parents attending. Uh, in, in past cases, I've observed they're restrained from saying what they want to say.
4: Most, yeah, parents. Yeah, I mean, parents. I think sometimes they don't want to go and speak. Uh, you know right because they don't want to be confrontational and they but i'm telling parents be confrontational go (laughs) in that's how that's why elected officials that's when they listen to you is when you come and start yelling and screaming Mm -hmm. at them look i've been protested countless times at my school board because of things that i've put forward and introduced um and particularly during covid and all the rest so parents need to show up by the way if parents don't show up uh boards don't know sure and
3: they they, know i mean oh some do Oh, they know. At least on our side, I believe. Yes, I believe that these school boards have been manipulated. They've been stacked by who the public school or whoever this entity is out there that wants to push this LGBTQ agenda and all these experimental programs. But that's what I I find quite abhorrent about this pupil <laughs> pr- pupil rights amendment is that. These children are literally signing on when they go into a public school to be experimented on. And I would have to say I even think that stands with COVID. And also all those – the CDC and all the drugs that these children are required to take, so to speak. If these children got full parental rights, the rights to be their own adults and basically uh, make their own decisions all the time, uh, I – I rue the date what these children will do because right now I'm reading a book about sex education where it actually is drawing a conclusion that the more sex ed- education that's taught in the public schools the more failing the grades mm. and I can't wait to talk about that one day if you want to go that wow. yes. into that into that place but it was written by a psychoanalyst doctor and it was written in 1993 he was warning us back then about the sex education classes that our children are learning in kindergarten. Back uh, then, I didn't know that. Yes. I had no idea. And you know, the, what you're saying about the parents showing up, they're only showing up after the fact. That's true. They're showing up after their children have been harmed, yeah. after they're seeing damage to their children. One more about this student's privacy, and parents and people out there, they need to know this, which again is, I will keep saying this, you need to get your kids out of public schools. PublicSchoolExit.com will be your friend. We're here to help you. PublicSchoolExit.com. But here's some of the the list of things that students can keep private for themselves and don't have to tell their parents. Political affiliations. That's number one. Why would they put that number one? Mental and psychological problems, potentially embarrassing the student, him or his family. Sexual behavior and attitudes. Illegal, antisocial, self-incriminating, and demeaning behavior. He gets to keep all of this private from his parents. Um, Critical appraisals of other individuals with whom the student has close family relationships. Um, even legally recognizing uh, relationships such as those of lawyers and physicians and ministers, and even the income of their family. This all, what child should be allowed to keep this information private? They have no idea what they're doing. They're still in, they're really children for, mm-hmm. you know great portion of their life is that when they're in the public school system and these people are manipulating their minds and telling them that this is a this adult information can be kept private from their parents Mm
4: -hmm. yeah minors right i mean they're minors i mean we see this is the this is part of the debate right i mean this is where you know who has more rights the minor or the minor's parents and we i mean we have had we have had this discussion so much and i think that the idea to me is is that Parents have inherent rights to know what's what's going on with their child. Now, of course, here's what the radical left uses. By the way, they love to use this. Why? Because they want to say, "Oh well, you want to harm the children. You want to get, have their uh, parents beat them. Their parents will beat them if they learned about their parents. Let's say they were a Republican and their parents were Democrats. You know, uh, they're, they're going to go home and get beaten." I, are no. you kidding me? I mean, this they create fear. They love to create mm. fear about what's going to happen to the student uh, when the student goes home. And by the way, there are already requirements for school districts at least, right? If you know a kid is going to get hurt, you're not going to share that information. You're already required to report that. If you know the kid is getting hurt at home, you're already required to report that. So this this creation of fear... To say that they can't share it because they're scared?
3: We can report on the parents and then they can be taken away from the parents and go to social services yeah. but we can't have the school Tell you. reveal divulge important how information is that could backwards. backwards. It's backwards. It's which again backwards. is the reason I keep saying you have to get your kids out of public school. There's no protection for you as a parent or for your child. It's a in my opinion now become a criminal institution that's taking away parental rights and taking away, and building children's rights, building the children's rights, because this gives access to the radicals out there to take advantage of these children for their purposes. That's my belief, and I'm sticking to it.
2: Well, as we step back and look at this, you you know, uh, much of it has to do with the children's upbringing as well. If a child uh, and and the parents have spent time about what's right and wrong, what you can do, what you can't do, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate, before they even hit the school environment, then they can make some stands and they can come back and they can literally communicate with their their parents. So really, it really starts even further back than uh, investing into the school environment and into the, uh, the the council and things like that. If a child is built up in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it when they get older. That's what the scripture says. We're going to talk more about these things and other things as well, but I'll tell you what, we're, we've str- str- stricken some uh, nerves, I think, in our listeners uh, as they hear what's going on and what they can and can't do, should and shouldn't do, but also it begins... At home and you're if your parent or if you're a grandparent there's much you can do to instruct your child on what's good bad right and wrong so that their uh, ears are open when they're getting to school and they're saying mom dad here's what they talked about today what should we do at that juncture the parent not only is uh, ob- obligated kind of go into a council meeting but to go in armed i when i mean armed i mean with with the proper education to make a to be able to make their stand. We're going to talk about more of this. I hope you're being enticed in this topic, my listening friend, on Come Together San Diego
1: because we will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on k Here's Here's Kaz Taylor.
2: Welcome back, my listening friend, to Come Together San Diego, and a pivotal topic, particularly if you are a parent or a grandparent, or if you're even a child listening to this broadcast, pay close attention because you're going to get some uh, insights on what is godly, appropriate thing to do and not do. I'm going to hand the baton back to you, Dran. There's a lot of different things you wanted to talk about. I mean, it's a big, gigantic topic that's going on in the school districts right now, dealing with the, the children or sexual identity and different curricula and things like that. I'm going to hand it to you and so that you can re-entice uh, uh, our our guest, Andrew Hayes, who's a current uh, school board member in Lakeside, to give some insights for arming our parents and grandparents, and even children. Dren?
3: Well, in about the last 15 years, there have been many parental rights organizations that have started because this issue is just unbelievable and out of control. And one of the great groups uh, started out of the Oregon area. Susan Gallagher is her name, Mm -hmm. and she has an organization called parentalrights.org. And, of course, we all believe that children should be raised by their parents, that we're the ones that nurture them. And then, again... We're falling back on that one Supreme Court bill, which pretty much says it all: that parents' parents' rights have been established beyond debate as an enduring tradition. That word, 1972, in the Wisconsin versus Yoder uh, court bill, Supreme Court bill, has really stated a tremendous fact here. So we need to push that forward as the, the, the core of the argument for parental rights. And one of the things that they have uh, tried to do and pass through is a federal amendment. It's a House Joint Resolution Bill 38. And I just want to go quickly over each section in here. There's four very simple ones. And the first one is the liberty of parents to direct the upbringing, education, and care of their children is a fundamental right. So why is it not happening in the public schools?
4: Well, it's a good question. A lot of it has to come down. Really, it just comes down to each state legislature uh, generally chooses how to run their schools, right? So, you know, the federal level <clears throat> doesn't necessarily always have a lot of influence over how the state directs education, right? So, it's a very, very convoluted mess, right? And we all know it is. But what you just said is the most common sense thing out there, right? I think. Uh, I think 100% of people would agree with that statement, right, truly, if you went and asked them that out in, in, in the world. But I think that the, the real question comes down to why doesn't it, it happen? Well, it's very simple to me. There are groups of people who are in the minority who don't accept that parents should direct the education of their kids, uh, which is just a foreign concept. To me. Like I, I,
3: well it really begs the question, what is the role of the public school then? Yes. Isn't it to teach reading, it, writing, and arithmetic? It's to teach
4: the basics. But that's not what that's not what and at least that's my view version of education. You're supposed to teach kids how to read, write, do math so they can get a job, so they can create a great life. And I mean that's the idea. What we've done now is we've said, you know what? We don't need to worry about Grades—we don't need to worry about math and reading and writing. We don't need to worry about that. We even need to talk about all this socialization because we need to teach teach kids how to date. Are you kidding me? No, I mean, I mean, this is, but this is what we're telling. This yeah. is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We need to teach kids about dating. We need to teach kids about food. We need to teach kids about all these things. I'm sorry, we don't need to teach kids about any of that stuff. So it's not you know, you any, just any don't. of
3: their business, and that's unfortunate. What's happening? And again, one of the things you said. Remember, everyone out there, if you're listening, your children will never ever. Get a biblical worldview education in a public school. If you want your, ch- if you think that sending your child to church for one or two hours on a Sunday is going to make a Christian, you have another thing coming. We have almost two thirds of our children who go to public school leave the faith because they have been scrubbed clean of their faith through the public schools who are, who's completely hostile to our family values. You are not going to learn that in the public schools at all. So I think. You never will. We never will. So I think this goes on to section two here. Parental right to direct education includes the right to choose as an alternative to public education, any private religious or home schools and the right to make reasonable choices within public schools for one, one's child to Oh, to write to make reasonable choices within the public schools. Well, I would nix that one. I wouldn't even have a child in a public school. (laughs) Well,
4: by the way, that's the right of the parent, right? I mean, parents have that right, which I I I fully support them being able to choose. I I was sharing a story earlier before we got on the show uh, that, you know, when I was running for office the first time, I went door to door, and and, and still I talked to people. And parents wanted to give authority to school board members. Mm -hmm. I hope that's changed since – covid and they've seen what school districts have done uh because the bottom line is uh, and really what the state has done these are state schools these are state schools you've right. said it in a bunch today i'll reaffirm it they're state schools i mean law the law that comes from sacramento governs many of the things that we do
3: you know this is a really good question for the pastor that we're going to have in our last section uh segment to talk about you know giving um authority to someone else to teach our children. That's what we're doing. As parents, we're giving our children someone that we don't know the authority to work on their minds with information that we have no clue about. Mm -hmm. On what... God's earth, Did we? where did we get this idea? I mean, this has been indoctrinated into us, and mm-hmm. actually the more and more I learn about this, homeschooling and uh, church education was the core that built the United States of America, oh, yeah. but yet we have allowed centralized education to come in so that parents could go out and work and... Take their Zumba classes, and basically, in many cases, <laughs> yeah. I think that what we've done is we have neutered parents into believing that they don't have the skills to teach their own children when they do, mm-hmm. and when they don't even need a high school education to teach their own children how to read or write. And yep. that's how America was started. Yep. I mean, what are I mean, what are we doing here? Yep. Why do we even need public education? Well, I, think,
4: I think, yeah. I mean, I think from my view, when I look at some of this, our, our society. We use public schools, right, because, as you said, parents have to go work. Well, why do they have to go work? Because we've broken down the family, right? I mean right. we've we've broken down the family to the point to where parents go, have to go work two jobs because we tax people out of their mind, mm. right? I mean there are so many problems that create what we're talking about, right, and why public school is a crutch for people. And by the way, the the – Uh, one side of the aisle will always come out with these emotional arguments and say, well, you know, the moms have to work two jobs and, you know, that's why they need public school because they can't afford it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, why can't they afford it? Because we're taxing people out of their mind. We're not following uh, a a uh, scriptural-based code of of governing, right? And so, you know, for our pastor who's going to come on, I love that question. I would also say that there has to be a check on that power, right? If parents are watching what the teachers are teaching well that's a check on the authority that they've given right but you have to check you can't just say oh hey do the worksheet you know you can't just do that That can't be the way to work, work well it.
3: i think the worksheets that they send home don't have the information that they're learning in the school itself and in
4: many cases that's probably and true. also
3: what parent really wants to read all of their children's curriculum who wants to do that oh nobody we're, by the way. we're making that. an assumption mm-hmm that they have our children's best interest at heart, and we can no longer make that assumption, period. Based on
4: all the evidence that we've seen, uh, I think it's a safe assumption to say that parents should be looking, right? I mean, they should be. And by the way, school districts don't make it easy either. I I mean, let's be clear. Like, at the beginning of every year, school districts send out this big packet of information to parents. It's 80 pages or something, right? Please tell me, with what we just described, the situation that's reality, which is parents are working two jobs. Are they going to read 80 pages? No. Right. They're just going to sign whatever they need to sign and move the ball forward.
3: Well, I think we believe that these parents, uh, that the teachers in the public schools have a good uh, a good heart, and many of them do, and many of them are Christians, and many of them you know, play by the rules. But unfortunately, now our public school system has has truly an agenda, and there are people that are in there for their own purposes, and they see these little children, and they might actually be... People of ill repute that are teaching our children, and we're letting them get away with it. Because if you look at it right now, what's wrong with the fact that our children are walking out of the kindergarten classroom as a boy coming back in dressed as a girl? There's something radically oh, wrong yes. with our public school system when that's happening.
2: Drann, it's about time for us to take a break here, but you, you have, you know, there are so many different uh, uh, burning uh, fires raging in the school system. You've raised another one here about. Uh, A young child walking out one day and one sex as one sex and in the other day as a different sex because they think that they have the the rights to be able to do that because people in the school system says, don't tell your parents or, you know, you can do this and that and the other. And and the challenge is having them, and I think you, you spoke to it, Andrew, just a little bit too, about raising the child in advance, making sure the parents do that. We're going to talk more about these things, but we're going to also, you've got some interesting insights regarding parental rights that that we want you to share, Andrew, in the next segments. We'll have Andrew Hayes, a current school board member, and also Dran Reese of Salt and Light Council. We've got more topics and even a pastor in the last segment or two to talk about these things. My friend, it is vital. As a parent or as a grandparent or even as a student, many of you in, are in the student role in the upper echelons of students, you know, that you can be more vocal on these things. We're going to talk more about this thing, and I want you to pay close attention and also go to the archives because it will be there as well when we come right back.
1: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on praise More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on Cape
2: Welcome back, my friends, to Come Together San Diego, a vital topic that we've been discussing. We're finished with the first hour, and typically what we do is we set the stage in the first hour for a lot of the uh, really, really heavy lifting in the second hour, and this is really no different than that. The topic is, you know, public school system, yay or nay, and why the yay or why the nay? We're going to find out more about those things. By the way, if you want to communicate with me, you can just go to Come Together San Diego at kprz.com and say, Kaz, love the shows. Let's have some more on the education system, or let's have this or that or the other. And uh, I, I pay close attention to the emails that I get. So right now on this show, I want to reintroduce Dran Reese, Salt and Light Council. By the way, you can find out more about her. She's SaltandLightCouncil.org is one way to do that. Another way is. PublicSchoolExit.com. She'll tell you more about that as we go. But Dran, she's also always the go-to person that I have. And if you're a parent, uh, you could probably learn, if I were to take a picture and show you, about the stuff that she has for this uh, broadcast. She's got her notes and things like that. If you go into a a board meeting, a school board meeting, it would be nice for you to be well-versed in these things. And uh, they may try to discourage you, but if your friend or your left and the right has a similar thing to say, they're going to get the message. Dran, I'm going to hand it to you because you want to talk about some laws that are uh, restrictive and maybe some other laws as well. Dren Reese.
3: Well, you know that you bring up a very good point. Parents need to be equipped before they go into school sure. board meetings. And I would actually like to say that if anybody contacts us at publicschoolexit.com exit, and sends that information that you'd like, this parental right uh, information, I'll send it to you. And sure. then you can have it so you know what's going on. And It's pretty frightening, and one of the things that concerns me is that we've had an incremental slide to the point where we're at today where a child can actually, uh, without parental authority, start taking hormone treatments or get right. transgender operations, which I find absolutely unbelievable, hard to believe. But it started, I, I have some just dating back to 1999 when they started to permit teachers and students to openly pr- proclaim and display their lgbtq status in the public schools yes okay so that was the beginning of it to openly display it and then it just i'm just going to read a few of these because it's 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 hard to understand because it's all about sex people
2: sure and then we'll get some insights from uh, andrew hayes who's a school board member of lakeside and he has some insights as well right oh
3: absolutely i'm that's why i'm going to read a few of these and then toss it to you andrew to to talk about but um <clears throat> again, this is all about sex, promoting, uh, you know, back in the seven, SB777 was the one that got me started when it was going to be prom king and king and prom queen and queen. I was I was horrified. What are you talking about? You know, that was back in 2007. And we did a huge petition in our church on this one. Uh, and of course, it still passed. And then directly right after that, sb 572, where they're celebrating the, li- the life of Harvey Milk. That was the first mm-hmm. um, homosexual gay activist in the Board of Supervisors. And then on and on it goes the bathroom bill, the Healthy Youth Act, the non binary uh, certificates for driver's license and foster care families, and a resolution calling on religious leaders to endorse the LGBTQI. R-S-Y worldview. It's gotten out of control. And so coming up to date now, we have uh, Glesson, which is the gay lesbian. And listen to this. G-L-S-E-N is known as the Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network.
4: I'm very familiar with them.
3: Are you? Because why don't you talk about this? Because I'm blown away that we have now come to a point where – through that Fair Education Act, you, if you want to talk about that a little bit, that these public schools now in the textbooks, everything is being taught to our kids.
2: Insights from Andrew Hayes, a school board m- uh, member in Lakeside.
3: Yep.
4: Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, on all that stuff, Tran is, uh, you know, this is all coming from, you know, Sacramento. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And by the way, it's, it's, it's empowering things that we should just not be focused on. Right. I mean, this is – public school for – it should be about talking about issues where kids can go and get a job at the end of their schooling. And the bottom line is we're not talking about that anymore. I mean, we spend more time debating each other on social issues that aren't relevant to these students. that should stay at home. The parents should talk to them, have these conversations in your church, all of those things at the dinner table. That ain't happening. And uh, we're having them in school. It's insane to me. And by the way, we have enough work to do in the public schools to get education back on track. Anyway, we just look at the most recent data; half the kids in the state are failing. I mean, this is—I mean—point pro- proven here, right? Like we're focused on so many other things.
3: I wonder if there's a correlation to that. I'm sure there is. Actually, that book I'm reading yeah. says so. You mentioned that the it. more you focus on sexual issues, the dumber your kids get because they aren't <laughs> able. Yeah, there you go. They aren't able to to to. It it does something mentally to the process. Mm -hmm. And this is called social-emotional learning, which we've now learned is how you destroy their minds is that you introduce adult information in a mind that can't process it too early in life. Mm -hmm.
4: And it's – by the way, a lot of this stuff is couched in really emotional good language, right? This is how they – this is what they do. This is how they use things, right? So in social-emotional learning, I think if you go out and ask people, they say, oh, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. What is it? Right? You know? You know and, and, and by the right. way, like, it sounds great. And by the way, maybe some of it is quote-unquote good. But let's understand, though, what the role of school is. If a student's upset when they're in school, okay, they, they, they're going to have a bad day. Kids have bad days. That's okay. How do you handle it? that bad day well social emotional learning says you got to do this you got to do that you got to do this you got to do that you got to do this you got to do that and i'm going i can't if a kid's not happy maybe they should go home for the day if they can't learn they can't focus but let's not i mean i'm I'm just trying to look at why we're not focusing on reading writing math science all the things that we need to be doing so that kids can go and get a good job because i just want kids to be successful particularly from where i grew up i mean born and raised in east county san diego I just want kids to, if they're not going to go to college, get a job.
3: Well, let's, hopefully they won't go to college because that's even worse. That's <laughs> <Mark's>. Oh, gosh.
4: <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah.
3: No, I mean, uh, we have to revamp our entire educational system. Yes. And I'm just grateful for the pastor that's going to be coming on here very soon because they've taken a great stand in that area to start their mm-hmm. own. Christian school and also many children are are being yanked from the public schools very rapidly, and I think they need to be, as much as possible, abandoned completely where all of those public schools then are empty vessels to be turned into uh, Christian schools or into um, homeschools or churches, anything but what they're doing to destroy our country and our children. And you, you hit it the nail on the head when you said about the education statistics, half of the children here in California are not performing at grade level in any in anything any subject math yep. Yep. reading science because they're too busy being focused on all of these issues that have nothing to do with their future growth and their productivity and this is part of the agenda of the public schools parents hear it why are you leaving your children subjected to this kind of torture in and that's my opinion on it. So, Andrew, I have to ask you about some of the curriculum that you said. I know the Fair Education Act, um, it's now in five states where th- the law is that you have to teach K-12 through material that includes LGBTQ. So they've changed all the textbooks oh, to yeah. add in all these.
4: All this stuff. All this it's stuff. There.
3: Yeah. So, can you tell me about any of the different?
4: Oh, I mean, I I can just tell you one. It's there. So when people, one of the narratives from schools is, "Oh, it's not there. We're not teaching it." Okay, it's there. It's there. Now, whether you're teaching or not, that that actually is a legitimate question, right? Because um, you you, as as a school district, you know there are standards that you can teach to, right? And and those kinds of things. So it really comes down to, yeah, a lot of this stuff is there. So, you know, I got a recent uh, call from a a parent in my district, uh, speaking about Harvey Milk, right? I mean, he's part of the curriculum, and the textbook developers use him as the model, right? And they called, and they said, why is this in the textbook? And I have to tell them, the state of California requires us to teach about X, Y, and Z. The textbook that we use, or that we are piloting, right, because you have – Every district pilots new material, right? They always have to pilot it, which is a good – by the way, piloting is a good thing because it allows for parents to give input and allows for parents to say we like it or we don't, right? So I love the idea when you have curriculum that's so bad you need to give it the light of day because <laughs> I, I like that idea, right? I mean, because at least that allows for you to have some checks. So it's all here. It's all there. All the stuff you mentioned is there because it's mm. law. The state says you have to do it.
2: Yep, It's about time for us to take a break. But I'll tell you what, you know, as soon as you scratch the surface, you realize there's so much beneath the surface that we need to talk about. We're going to talk more about this topic dealing with parental rights, uh, what you can do about that, uh, other options there are out there. And we have uh, a man named Andrew Hayes. He's the, uh, the uh, school board member in Lakeside and Dran Reese of Salt and Light Council. We're going to talk more about these things. And I'll tell you what uh, you talked about in, in the earlier segments that sometimes what they sound like isn't really what they are. We're going to talk more about that and so many more things. Guess what? We're going to be
1: right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on Cape Ray's.
2: Welcome back, my friends. We're talking about uh, parental rights and so forth. You know, if you're involved in the school system in any way, you need to be aware of some of the things that are going on. We're spending this entire show talking about that. Dran Reese Salt Lake Light Council, and also uh, Andrew Hayes, a, a school board member in lakeside but in the last segments we were talking about different titles like the fair education act it sounds good i mean it sounds good but beware that the title really is uh, the ulterior motive behind the title is to misinform uh, you because there's uh, other things going on that they don't want to tell you about i'm going to hand the baton to you dran to to uh, begin the segment as well dran reese as well as andrew hayes
3: when I was on your show, I think last time we were talking about some of the bills that they were trying to pass through in mm-hmm. California, and I just wanted to give a quick update to where we stand on a couple of them. So we had a, t- a section called Parental Rights and Education. So governor signed this into law where it aligns existing code sections to allow minors 12 years old to seek mental health treatment mm-hmm. without parental involvement if a quote, professional person, which could include, they're saying, a social work intern, a psychological trainee, feels that they are mature enough. And I have to ask Andrew, how is this working out for us?
4: Oh my gosh. Well, I'll just tell you very simply, it's just disaster show. I mean, think about the open door that this creates. And this is something that I've been sharing. By the way, on this bill, this was AB665. And um, I will tell you that uh, I have taken a lot of heat on my public comments about this bill <clears throat> because people say, well, you know, minors should, should get mental health services. Okay. Minors should get mental health services. I'll grant your premise. Minors should get mental health services, but should we be referring them as a school district? And Oh, then, Oh, by the way, should we be telling the parents about that? can. that's right. We should be telling the parents about exactly. this stuff and see, but Oh, well, what if, what if you tell the parent and, and the parent, uh, you know, uh, you know, Gets mad at them for going to mental health services. I'm sorry, we're not telling the parent what they're going for mental health services for. We're saying your child is getting mental health services. Don't you think you'd want to know that?
3: Absolutely.
4: And but this is the stuff and by the way, this is the stuff that I'm talking about. Like, it's insidious to say that a twelve year old can be deemed by a social work intern or whomever by me probably as a school board member i probably as a school board member fall under that category saying mm-hmm. that a school a child could go and get mental health services in my district i could probably mm-hmm. say little jimmy he's crying he should get mental health services and he can go do it
2: can you can you suggest that about the teachers or the administrators as well oh i'd probably get sued <laughs> if i did that
4: i mean I, but i'm just saying like yes. this is what i'm saying like it it's it it kind of defies all logic and Let's understand what that referral to a mental health service could create. Could it create? I'm not saying that it does, but I'm saying could it. Could it create a situation where a student says, I am a boy today, and then the mental health professional says, yes, you are. You need surgery now. To make sure that happens. Exactly. I mean, where does it stop? I mean, do we know what protections are there? We have no, we have no knowledge of no knowledge I think it's brainwashing.
3: Are. I have to say I, it highly concerns me as well because you don't know what, what qualifications this mental, quote, mental health professional are. What they could it? be, you know, they could be it's the camel's an LGBTQ. Nose under the tent. Right. It's the
4: camel's nose under the tent. We exactly. have no idea what this could do. And by the way, it sounds well-intentioned like every other bill, but let's talk about – what the policy could look
3: like. This should have been shifted right back to parents at the get-go. But our state seems to think that parents have no ability to raise their own children and the state has to do everything for them, including mental health, or create a category. They're creating a category for our children. Mm-hmm. We used to go to the nurse and get, you know, what, aspirin, and mm-hmm. they would call it the parents if we skinned our knee. Now they're giving mental health suggestions to our children, and I do mean suggestions. I think it's criminal. Another bill that passed Governor Newsom signed in is um, AB 107A.
4: Oh, yeah.
3: Well, you know about this oh, one, Oh, I know right? about
4: this one. It takes away my role as a school board member to look at curriculum.
3: Yeah, I don't understand that. This is ridiculous. So why do we have school boards then? Uh, but
4: th- this is my point. You know what? If they just wanted to consolidate them all, don't make me run for office. Don't make me be elected. Oh,
3: they're trying to get you to spend your money and exercise your efforts.
4: Yeah, they're trying to get us focused on other things. Right. Look, the bottom line is this bill, AB 1078, it's gosh awful.
3: What do they call it? False flag?
4: Oh, yeah. It's red herring, right? They want us to focus on all this. By the way, the bill really is a – it's really just a slap in the face to school boards that say – the state's basically saying to us, we have full authority. You have nothing. We just want to remind you of that. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. We already know that we have little authority, but we do have some. They're trying to take even more away from us. I'm locally elected.
3: What was the bill? Whatever happened to that one bill where they were going to if, – if you approved – if school boards approved certain curriculum, it had to go to the State Board of Education for their stamp of approval. I think approval. that was this
4: bill. That was this bill, bill this right is, here? I think that's the.
3: I think that's Oh, so it passed. Well, that's a scary – That folks, that's scary. That means if your school board – is out there uh, checking the curriculum, and they agree that this book should not be in this. It then goes back to the state for them to decide, and they can overrule you. Yeah, and there's certain
4: criteria, by the way, in that that say on certain subjects, I believe, as I recall.
3: Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Oh, by the way,
4: I agree with you. As a school board member, we're elected in my community. If my community says we don't want this in our schools,
3: then we need to oblige. Right. Isn't it we the people, or is it them the state? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. All right. Well, then we have one LGBTQ that he signed, which requires teacher and staff training. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that? How, how do we did, did you already, take that?
4: No, I haven't done it. But I'm, we. you know, every school district has, by the way, this is all part of uh, training that already exists. So half the stuff that these folks are passing is duplicative. It exists. Right. People in school districts are trained on civil rights, right? LGBTQ plus people have civil rights. They have them. That's a federally settled issue. Why are we even having this discussion? I mean, we're not focusing on kids, and we're not focusing on getting them to learn, right, by having these conversations about all this stuff. And it's just like they keep bringing it up over and over again. And it's like, guys, school districts are already telling their staff not to violate people's civil rights. That already happens.
3: Right. Well, again, parents, if you're out there listening – or you're a church and a pastor, or you're a grandparent, get every child you can in your immediate oikos out of the public school and get these children into the loving arms of parents or grandparents or anybody but the indoctrination camps. There's no reason to keep him in there. And I, again, am going to remind you of publicschoolexit.com is a great resource for parents, pastors, teachers, anyone Yes. Uh, but I wanted to bring up this one. Uh was beautifully done by Capital Resource Institute, Karen England, capitalresource.org. And you can print this out. It's called Sex on the School Calendar. And literally, they did an entire year calendar of the different sexual uh, programs that they have in alignment for your kindergartners, okay? Oh, my. So – it just starts off here. Let's see, we're in December, so we've already passed December 8th, as Pansexual Pride Day. In the public schools, by the way. Uh, starting in February, we have uh, Ar- Aromatic Awareness Week. <laughs> Experience romantic attraction. Uh, oh my gosh, I have no idea what that is. It sounds bizarre. In March, we have the International Transgender Day of Visibility. In April, we have, of course, the Day of Silence, where, you know, they're promoting the LGBTQ ideology. Then we have, also in that month, Lesbian Day of Visibility. But I'll go on and on, just a couple quick, and I want your comment got, uh, real quick on that. we less so. uh, For you, um, sure, for you, uh, Andrew.
4: Well, if you want my comment on this, you know, the one thing I would remind everybody is, this is why you need to ask your school boards what the heck is going on, right? Because I want to tell you, not every district— has this. I'm sure some of the bigger ones have it, but some do. And by the way, you should know if they do. I mean, you should know if this is on your calendar for your district, and so I'm glad you're sharing it.
2: Dran, we have if this topic is a deep well. We could talk about this for hours, but we have a piece of information that you want to share with our listening audience that really has to do with Andrew Hayes and some of his uh, plans for future things that are going to be even more impactful, not only from a school board member uh, in Lakeside point of view but other things it's about time for us to take a break so we're going to be I'm going to have you posture that uh, in the next segment early on And then uh, we also have in the final segment a pastor coming in to give some pastoral insights, and you'll be appreciative of this. You want scripture? He's got scripture. So my listening friend, the challenge that we have today in this environment, if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent or even if you're a teacher or if you're one of those children that would like to know what the godly thing to do is, that's what this show is all about. We're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk a little bit more about a secret, a secret endeavor, which is not really going to be secret anymore, uh, tied to Andrew Hayes. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, what the Bible literally says we're going to be bringing a pastor on in the last segment. My listening friend, this is a commanding topic, and you need to dig more deeply. Go to the archives, and you can find out more about this as well. My listening friend, this is something where, as a Christian or a Judeo-Christian perspective, you need to make a stand. We'll talk more about this when we come right back.
1: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor.
2: Welcome back, my friends, talking about schools, uh, what parents can do, what uh, people who are on the school boards can do, what teachers can do, what your youngster can do. And we have Dran Reese's Salt and Light Council, my co-host for this entire uh, two-hour broadcast. Dran, it was kind of you to bring on Andrew Hayes, who's a a school board member in Lakeside. But you want to set the stage for him to share some great insights. I'm going to give it to you to do that as my co-host, Dran Reese.
3: Well, thank you, Kaz. And I wanted to share that surprise that I told you about in the very beginning. But not only is Andrew Hayes the president of the Lakeside uh, School District, Board, but he is also running for Assembly in District Seventy Five. Congratulations, correct. thank Congratulations. you. Andrew, we're so yeah. proud of you. I'm
4: very excited. I'm very excited. We built a great foundation.
3: I'm so proud of you. Well, one of the reasons this is important to me is because of the other ministry that we have, BiblicalVoter.com. dot com. For all of your listeners out there, if they want to know how to vote and who to vote for, go to BiblicalVoter dot com. But on that, we have a pledge, the Family First Pledge, Mm -hmm. and you have signed it, but your opponent, Carl DeMaio, refuses to sign it. And what this pledge is about is simply asking you to stand firm and publicly on the issue of marriage between a man and a woman, one man and one woman, and on pro-life issues, Mm -hmm. and on right of conscience, free market principles, and parental rights.
2: That's right. And Andrew Hayes, we didn't mention this specifically, uh, moving – desiring to go from this as a, as a springboard, the school board membership in Lakeside, uh, into running for the assembly, the state assembly uh, ticket. And uh, so I, we wanted to let people know exactly what he was running for. And Carl DeMaio is a name pretty well known in San Diego County as well. Um, and so you're going to be running against him.
4: Yeah, there's a field of six people. He's one of them. I'm one of them. Uh, I've been endorsed by our Republican Party uh, locally. So uh, that's, a, that's a very important endorsement for me, but also from people trusted in the district. I mean, I'm supported from over 80 local elected officials all across uh, San Diego County and in the district, from Ramona to Hamul to Fallbrook to Lakeside. So we're moving forward and building a team.
3: Well, I think it's because we want family values back, and you have made a bold statement that you are going to stand firm on family values, and that has a whole lot to do with the fact that you've had your, you've gotten your feet wet with the school board situation, mm-hmm. so one of the things that you did, which i'm very impressed by, is that you created your own parental rights petition. Can yep. you tell us about that in some absolutely
4: of the so uh, here's the thing what really guided me to do this was. I had heard so many times from parents all across San Diego, not just in the lakeside but everywhere, that they don't know what rights they have. Mm. They don't know that they have rights, right? And they do, right? And it's frankly my job as a school board member and our job as elected officials to ensure that people know what rights they have and give them that uh, – frankly, peace of mind that their elected officials are going to be advocating for them because that's why they, you know, vote for us. That's why they elect us is to be watchdogs and oversight uh, for their rights that they inherently have. And so... I see problem after problem that come into public schools, and it's always from Sacramento, right? I mean, Sacramento, as we just talked about in one of the previous segments, they introduce bills all the time that undermine the rights of parents to be notified about what the heck is going on in their kid's education. So let's take, for example, achievement. Parents should know very quickly if their kid is not doing well in school, right? We should tell them – very quickly what's going on. Maybe their kid's getting bullied. Maybe their kid needs uh, some kind of, of uh, help, right, because of that bullying. Well, we need to tell parents what they, their kids need so that they can help their kids. I mean, this is what it's about. We get I get that parents have busy lives, and that's important, but the key is we've got to talk to them about what's going on with their kid. The other thing is about curriculum, right? A lot of parents don't know that they have uh, access to the curriculum in schools, right? They have no idea that they can walk into the school and say, I want to see the curriculum. They can do it. They can. They can review it. And then they can say, I want them to know, hey, if you don't want your kid in that, there's a way to do that. You can petition those things. It's about telling parents what rights they have, right? The other thing is the school books, right? So think about library books for schools right now. How many parents know what books their kids are reading in the school library? Mm -hmm. They don't. I think parents should be told when their child checks out a book from the library about what the book is. What's the title of the book? That's not a hard concept, right? I'm not saying, you know, the crazy thing is some of the the critics like love to say, "Oh, you're banning books." Uh I didn't say the book couldn't be in the library. I said the parents told what the book is. How is that wrong? That's not banning a book. Give me a break. You know, but this is the stuff that parents should know because then parents can say, "Oh, my kids reading about, you know, Something over here that i don 't want them to read about they shouldn't check it out
3: well don't you think that a lot of this has to do with maintenance as well? I just don't see how the the public school teachers or even the staff are going to be able to inform parents of all these various things. the books checked out how they're there's
4: all process. you can set up process to do all these things, and the beauty is a lot of this stuff that we 're talking about it's either done at a minimal level right now and it just needs to be enhanced or it's not done at all, but can be piggybacked on another system that we have. I mean, we already send parents a big, big packet at the beginning of every year, and we tell them, you can opt your kid out of sex ed, right? We, you know that we, can, we do that. Well, I want to do separate notifications. That's.
3: that's oh, they're, they're not doing that now?
4: Oh, no, you don't do. No, <gasps> school districts don't do separate oh, I notifications. So what like that at so what's, all. So what school districts do, it's insidious, right? Insidious. You, they take these notifications on the sex ed thing and they throw it into an 80 page packet at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and then the parents go through and they read all these 80 pages in one night because they need it back by whatever day Mm -hmm. and they sign it all off and they don't 80 pages is a lot so reading 80 pages in one night that's significant and then saying oh okay well i just signed it all well what did you sign so this is really about making sure parents know.
3: I think parents need a school counselor now to read through all this. Yes.
4: <laughs> Not only that they need they need they need board members to be the oversight that mm. says this is what rights you have. The other thing is that schools right now we you know we can't administer certain kinds of medications, but we talked about the camel's nose under the tent earlier right. about that bill that allows for minors to go and be referred to mental health. How services. many
3: parents do you think and this is I know this is just guessing on your part really care that much about their children?
4: Oh, I'd say over 80%. 80%. I'd say over 80%. I mean, at least from ones I've talked to, right? I mean, these are folks that, that want to know what's going on with their kids. I believe every parent wants to know what's going on with their kid and wants to be a part of their kid education. You know, it, it, it comes in varying degrees, too. But some of this stuff is just basic stuff that parents mm-hmm. should have the right to. And, by the way, in many cases they do. But my view is let's enhance it and make sure they know it because I am shocked that parents don't know that they can come and review curriculum. And I want to tell them.
3: Well, the concern I have is that the curriculum can be a lot for any parent to have to rifle through. I mean, you've got 10 different subjects. Now you've got social-emotional learning and all these other uh, social issues that they're being taught. But how is a parent going to have the time to do this? Is it possible to have a parental review board for all of this? And that's
4: part of this as well. Yes, thank you for that. So part of it is uh, you can set up curriculum committees. Mm-hmm. Where you have parents that are assigned to those committees that are picked from, you know, the district that are picked by the, can be picked by the board in some cases. Or parents, you know, can mm-hmm. say, hey, I want to be a part of this. And then you have parents who can help review curriculum and make recommendations based on curriculum, right? Maybe make, make notific- uh, re- recommendations based on notification, right, of what parents should or shouldn't be notified about. All of those things. But, again, that's all within giving parents the right to exercise their their inherent role, which is to direct their child's
2: education. Andrew, we're getting close. Andrew Hayes, we're getting close to the close of this segment. I want you to summarize uh, for our listening yeah. friends and make sure you give way – your website that Absolutely. people can find out more about you.
4: Yeah. So uh, look, the bottom line is I've introduced this uh, parent bill of rights and we have a petition um, that you know, I, I want everyone to sign if you support parents' bill of you support parents rights because I want to use this to help my district pass a bill of rights as well as encourage others to do that. And so uh, you can learn more about me at Um You can send me a message that way. But again, I'm just trying to fight for the right things and common sense stuff. This is very common sense. This is not difficult.
2: So you're running for the assembly in California, yeah, really and who, you want to talk a little bit about who you're running against, just quickly. I mean, there's six other people yeah. that are running.
4: Um, I'm the endorsed uh, Republican yes. from the local uh, GOP and the state GOP, uh, as well as uh, numerous uh, community leaders and pastors in our our, our community.
2: I'll tell uh, you, if you if you, my listening friend, if you go to electandrewhays.com, you'll see This is H A Y E S. Uh, you'll, you'll see it all. It'll all be there. Very brief insight, and um, it's going to be time for us to take a break in just a moment. Um, we have like 20 seconds, Dran. What do you want to say?
3: Well, first of all, Hayes, is it H-A-Y-E-S? Correct. Good. Okay, just keep that in mind, folks out there. But again, I remind everybody, Andrew and maybe one other person, on, uh, that's running for this position has signed the Family First Pledge. And I can tell you for a fact, Carl DeMaio did not, and I believe he might be the biggest competition, but that's very important to remember.
2: Wow. Well, my listening friend, once again, electandrewhays.com, And, of course, because of Dran and, and what she does with Salt and Light Council, org or publicschoolexit.com, or biblicalvoter.com. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of things going on. But one of the things we have going on big time is a pastor now to tie all this together from a biblical scriptural standpoint. My, my listening friend, you need to know that God wants you to embrace his Judeo-Christian Values. That's why he created you. He created his son to bring you into training up your child in the way that they should go. So we're going to talk more about this as we bring this all together in the last segment. But remember, electandrewhays.com My listening friend, we will be right back.
1: This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPraise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on KPrains. Here's Kaz Taylor.
2: Well, you heard the name of the show, Come Together San Diego. One of the things we like to do at the close of these shows that have a specific topic, we're talking about uh, parental rights and things like that, but that have these uh, specific topics. We like to give uh, an opportunity for some of our uh, saints in San Diego County to give their insights, and oftentimes pastoral insights. And I thought it was appropriate to bring on a pastor here from San Diego County to give you some insights on what the Scripture says tied to uh, parent, parenting, parental rights. Dran, why don't you do the introduction?
3: Oh, I would love to. Brand well, Reese. yes, we. I would love to introduce to you to uh, Pastor Mike Van Meter, and he's a pastor at Foothill Church in El Cajon, one of my favorite churches, and also who, who has had a Salt and Light Biblical Citizenship Ministry for well over a decade. Oh so I'm so proud of them and. Over the years, they've done biblical election forums and proud of all the work that they continue to do. But Pastor Mike, are you here? Yeah.
5: Hi, Duran. Hi, Kaz. Hi, hi, Andrew. Hey, Mike. Happy to be with you guys.
3: Oh, we're so glad to have you. Well, I, you know, we were in the earlier segments, we were talking uh, about some things, and one that popped up to me is about the authority that has been given to teachers. And when I hear that word, authority, it really just rings hard and true for me that where does the authority come from to train our children
2: lay it on us mike
5: (laughs) (laughs) well obviously from uh there's a couple things first is i think at the end of the last segment andrew said it's basically this is just common sense and i don't know if you guys ever feel like we're living in some kind of alternate universe uh but the fact that we even have to have some of these conversations seems pretty bizarre to me i mean it's it's common sense that parents should know what's going on with their children. Parents are the primary ones who are responsible, and like you said, Dran, are the primary ones who have authority um, over their children. And they're the ones who are, who are going to stand before God and give an account for how they raise their children and, and how they taught them. We see this at the very beginning of the Bible. God, uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1, as God sets up a family. Um, it says, it's right there at the beginning, mother and father, uh, to raise children, to, to fill the earth. And subdue it, and so we see that the family is like the most central form of government that there is. Um, and then we see in you know in the Ten Commandments we see that children are to honor their mother and father, that that's a a, a holy and a sacred um, uh, relationship. And uh, and and teachers in the Bible are important, but it doesn't begin to approach public education doesn't begin to approach the the relationship that parents have to oversee their kids um, and to be responsible for the direction their kids are going and, and managing their children and, and leading them and shepherding them and, and making sure that their lives are headed in a good direction, that their character is being formed, that they're being shaped into productive human beings, and that um, they're the kind of people who are who are going to be, um, you know, good citizens and, and good neighbors and good husbands and good wives when they grow up, good adults. And um, and so parents should absolutely be involved in every aspect of a a, a child's education and growing up, and and you would think that if schools really wanted uh, those those children to what was best for the kids, that they would really embrace trying to bring parents in as much as humanly possible into being involved and knowing exactly what's going on in schools. Of, that their voice should be really, I think, probably the most important voice in the room as far as helping to navigate and choose the direction of their children's education. So I think it it makes. I think it's beyond common sense. It's just so simple. Yeah, yeah, and Judeo-Christian
2: sense, no question about it. Andrew Hayes is a school board uh, member in Lakeside, but he's taking the launch and going to be running for uh, California uh, Assembly in in, um, this area. Uh, Any thoughts from what Pastor Mike had to say? Well,
4: spot on as usual. You know, uh, Pastor Mike and and all of Foothills are the tip of the spear in East County uh, fighting for— Parents and, and fighting for our biblical values. And so I'm just so grateful for all the work that they do, not just to support people like me, but people who are around me and others. Sure. Uh, because that's what you need. You need a team, and uh, they're part of the team, and I'm, I'm just grateful.
2: So, Dran, Reese, what would you like to say to ha- help uh, Pastor Mike Van Meter launch into his final insights.
3: Well, first of all, Pastor Mike, I I really want to talk about this biblical worldview education, because I'm very concerned that even if parents leave their children in a public school, they will never, ever, ever get a biblical worldview education. So how do we square with this at all?
5: Yeah, I'd say it's, it's pretty tricky. And unfortunately, it seems like the public school system is is trying to almost make it more difficult. And I, I don't know what the actual statistics are. I can just say anecdotally, I know a lot of families have been co- pulling their kids out of public school, really post COVID, as they've kind of seen, you know, some of the the the, um, the you know the the covering pulled back and seeing some of what the in, how the sausage is made in public schools has been really disillusioning. I think for a lot of families, but yeah, I definitely recognize there's a lot of families. Both parents have to work, and and you know, p- private education really, can be really expensive, and so. Um, I think for a family that has their kids in public school, like all families, they have to recognize they are still the ones who are responsible for the child's education. Irrespective of where they go to school or who their teachers are, it's the parents who, at the end of the day, are the ones who are primarily responsible. Um, You know, it it says that uh, in in the Bible, there's a a Greek word paideia, that that fathers don't exacerbate their children, are raising the fear and admonition of the Lord. That word admonition is the word paideia, and it means that the, kind of the whole worldview, the whole view of how you view the world, not just reading, writing, arithmetic, but also what kind of person are you becoming and how are you, you know, how's your character being developed and, and even your physical um, education, all of that. And parents are responsible. So if you have a child that is in school, you can't just send them off to school and hope they're getting a good education. You as a parent really have to take the responsibility to get involved to pay attention, to to talk to your kid about what's going on. And if there's an area where they're struggling or there's an area where they need help, is to really help facilitate how to get that for them. And I think increasingly we need to make sure we're not just trusting in the government to raise our kids, but we're the ones who at home, we're having conversations about life and about the world, and about how the world works, and instilling those values of the Christian faith, instilling those values that this is God's world, that he made it, and we want to conform ourselves to it. And as you do that, you're going to see your kid is going to blossom. They're going to grow. They're going to um, you know, become proficient in all kinds of different things. Their gifting and strengths are going to begin to flourish. And, and um, there's real power. So it's not just like a responsibility. There's real power in it, too, that as we take responsibility for our kids and we, we get involved in their education, you're going to see your kids really flourish and really grow in, in all those different aspects.
2: Pastor Mike Van Meter, uh, one of the pastors at Foothills Church, you have a solutions for this in your your uh, church environment. Don't you have a school uh, environment there? Briefly give an overview of that and then give us a, a word of biblical encouragement or maybe a scripture to close out the show. Pastor Mike Van Meter.
5: Yeah, we have a TK, so pre-kindergarten all the way through high school. Um, as a, It's a... It's a homeschool, private school um, kind of hybrid, so it's three days a week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have Monday and Friday options for parents who have to work, but um, it's, so it's kind of a—we try to make it affordable. We try to make it reasonable so parents can give their kids a good Christian education. Everything's centered around a biblical understanding, a biblical worldview, and, um, and informs all the different subjects. So it's a very cohesive kind of fully immersive Christian education. To prepare kids for for the world, and and also we have a, a ministry that really helps homeschool families too. So we really think there's lots of different possibilities and education options um, that are available to Christians, and we want to support families that are in all of it. And I just want to say, look, the future belongs to people who are gonna are gonna submit themselves to the, to, to God and and His authority and His Word. And you know, the Bible says that uh, we're a city set on a hill, a lamp that shouldn't be hidden, that we're the salt and the light, and so we should be. That beacon, training kids up to be that light of the world, and as they do it, they're going to. Uh, I expect that we are going to be fruitful in our Father's world, and that as we glorify God and as we raise up families and value children and invest in their education, that we're going to see fruit for generations to come. And so we're, we're hopeful and expectant about the future.
2: Yes. Thank you, Mike Van Meter. My listening friend, I'm going to give you some website information here for all these people that have been on with us and tell each one of them, thank you very much for joining us on this Come Together San Diego broadcast. First of all, you were listening to uh, Pastor Mike Van Meter. He is one of the pastors at Foothill Church. Find out more about this Foothills uh, Church in El Cajon. Find out about their schools set up and Salton Lake Council and their entire suite of. Uh, uh, of different uh, links. One is publicschoolexit.com. Pay close attention. publicschoolexit.com, biblicalvoter.com, saltandlightcouncil.org. Thank you. We have basically n- no time left, but I'll just say thank you, Dren Reese. <laughs> You're a remarkable co-host. Always come back.
3: Oh, thank you so much, Cass. I enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> and my... my running for the assembly in California, remarkable. I'm really honored to know you, Andrew Hayes, and we're expecting good things from you. electandrewhayes.com. And of course, as I mentioned before, Pastor Mike Van Meter of Foothills Church in L. Cajon. Thank My you. listening friends, it's about time for Come Together San Diego to go together with you. <laughs> so more coming in future weeks as we get close to elections and things like that. Pay close attention. God has plans to you and through you. Thank you for listening to Come Together San Diego. God bless.
1: Thanks for joining Cass Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all Come Together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K Praise.